This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 428 with Monica Packer. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 428. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Highlands Earache Drops. If your child is suffering from earache pain due to cold, flu, or allergies, Highlands Earache Drops might be what your child needs. Go to highlands.com slash ear hyphen pain. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D-S dot com slash ear hyphen pain to find a retailer near you. Mamas, before we dive in, I have a fun announcement for you. So many of you know that my annual event, Shameless MomCon, was supposed to happen last week. And you know, the state of the world made that real impossible, which was definitely disappointing and crushed my spirits a little bit for a short amount of time. And then I decided that I couldn't let this experience ago. I couldn't just say it's not happening in 2020. I needed to create something that allowed me to bring the power, the momentum, and the magic of Shameless MomCon to you because here's the thing. We need this power, momentum, and magic more now than ever before. So what I did is I took Shameless MomCon, I flipped it upside down, on its head, and I created something new, the Shameless MomCon Collective. Here's what I know. I know that right now we need to be in a place where we can restore hope. And I know now more than ever, we need to be able to dial in and lean into our innate 
power. And I know some of us aren't feeling that power right now. And I know that we need to be connected. We need to be connected in positive places and spaces with people who can light us up and lift us up and allow us to show up however we need to show up on any given day. It might be in our oldest, scruffiest pajamas. It might be in our cutest sweater. Whatever the case might be, we need a place where we can show up as our truest selves every day and be connected. So when I created the Shameless Mom Con Collective, I decided to create a four-week virtual experience where we can all be together, where I can take the best parts of Shameless Mom Con and bring it to you in a virtual way. So what that means is that during the Shameless Mom Con Collective for four weeks from the middle of April till the middle of May, I will be bringing you weekly guest speakers. I will be bringing you weekly coaching from me. I will be bringing you weekly happy hours where we can all come together and celebrate and toast each other. And I will be bringing you at the end of this event, a retreat day, a virtual retreat day on May 15th, where we will come together and culminate this entire four-week experience. So if you are in need of community and connection, if you are in need of finding hope and finding power, if you are in need of figuring out a game plan for when all of this is over, I got you. I got you. I got you. The Shameless Mom Con Collective is for you. The Shameless Mom Con Collective is for anyone who's looking to restore hope, to lean into your innate power, and who's looking for those positive places and spaces to connect with other shameless moms. So for full event information, to learn everything about this four-week virtual experience, go to shamelessmomcon.com. The collective starts soon, and I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity to participate. So go to shamelessmomcon.com and get all the details, and I will see you inside the collective. Monica Packer is a shameless mom and is passionate about teaching practical transformation. As a podcaster, growth coach, and podcast educator, she guides women to find sustainable growth by adopting progress over perfection. Monica is a former middle school teacher, a forever Oprah and Harry Potter fangirl, a perpetual cookie dough maker, and a beginner swimmer. She's a mama of four, ages two, four, six, and eight, living in the Bay Area. We recorded this interview before COVID-19 reared its very ugly head, but there's never been a better time to learn how to manage and even overcome perfectionism. We are all working so hard right now to keep the world spinning. And Monica and I want to give you a ton of permission to just keep taking one imperfect step after another. So listen in to hear Monica share the root of perfectionism and how it shows up specifically for moms, how a lack of goal setting and action taking is also a form of perfectionism, the truth about overachieving and underachieving perfectionists, her own experience with perfectionism that led her through eating disorders and suicidal ideation, how leaning into the opposite of perfectionism allows her to disconnect her worth from her achievements how to use imperfect action as exposure therapy to recover from perfectionism, how you can prioritize progress over perfection, and how to model imperfect action to high achiever perfectionistic kinds of kids. I loved this conversation with Monica. I actually got to meet Monica in person a couple weeks after we recorded this, which was so much fun. We met at Alt Summit in California, which feels like a lifetime ago because everything before COVID-19 feels like a lifetime ago. But we had such a great time meeting in person and she is just every bit the person you hear on this interview. That is who she was in real life. She is a gem. She's so full of goodness and knowledge and 
expertise. I know she's going to give you the permission that you need, especially if you're listening in live time during this really challenging season. She's going to give you the permission that you need to really put perfectionism on the back burner, to start really focusing more on progress and be able to create a little more joy, a little more ease in your life every damn day. So with all that said, let's welcome Monica Packer to the Shameless Mom Academy. Monica, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Well, you know how excited I am. I feel like that's the only word I've said all day is excited. This is going to be a ton of fun. So we actually did an interview for me to be on your show last week and just loved every minute of that conversation. So it's a treat to be able to just pick up where we left off now on my show. Yeah, we got to ride that wave. It was so, so great to talk to you. Yes. So this is going to be a ton of fun. It's always really fun when I get to have conversations with mamas that I've had previous connections with and just know that we have really synergistic energy. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, we're also going to be talking about something that is near and dear to my heart, perfectionism. Oh, yeah. All the blessings and curses that come with that. So this is going to be really, really good. I know this is going to be relatable to so many of our listeners. Before we dive in, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio right now and what you're currently most excited about, aside from this interview. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Aside from this, you know, I primarily am home with my four little kids. They're pretty young right now. We're in a phase of life like I think most of your listeners are, regardless of how old their kids are, it seems like you'll always feel like you're in this phase of life where things are just a little more than chaotic than normal. You have to share the ages of your four babies. Sure. Yeah. They're eight, six, four, and uh, my littlest one just barely turned two. So I can't call him a baby anymore, which makes me so sad, but they're darling and a lot of fun and a lot of crazy. And (laughs) I do my own work during nap time and bedtime and sometimes in between too. I'm a podcaster and I'm a growth coach. But the thing I'm most excited about right now, like beyond the bio stuff is our lives are kind of going to be shifting a lot this year. We've lived in Northern California for over 12 years. It's all we know really as a family. And we know it's time to make a change. And we have no idea where we're going, but we're just going to put our house up for sale and see where the winds take us. And it's a little scary, but I'm honestly, I'm actually more excited than scared right now at this point. So what's inspiring this move? Well, I mean, there's a whole number of things, but the nutshell is it's just getting too hard to live here financially. But, you know, we have a family that lives in a 1200 square foot home, which is great. I love a small house. We've got some special needs in our family that we just know we need to take better care of. And with that, a little bit more room for them to have their own area and actually like a bigger yard, like even just those kind of basics. And we just can't get that where we live here. So it's time to jump ship. I love it. I say I love it because I'm just impressed that like I would imagine that takes a lot of Uh, listening to your kids' needs, listening to your own like internal compass and paying attention. I'm someone who's lived in the same place my whole life. So when I hear people like, we're just going to move, I'm like, how does one do that? Like, that sounds horrible. Yes. Well, that's my husband right now. So (laughs) yeah. I really, really admire that like being that tied into your family's needs and paying attention on that level to be able to recognize like, okay, this isn't working and we need to, in your words, we need to jump ship. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of, we don't really have a choice here. Meeting, they are making it so well known that they need things to be different that we we have to accept it, you know, and it'll be good. That it will be. Oh my gosh. Well, I will be stalking online to see where you land. (laughs) I know you might know before I do at this point. (laughs) 
So I want to talk about perfectionism and perfectionism is something that I talk a ton about within our community. It's something that, I mean, I think it plagues women. I think we're conditioned to be perfectionists. I think motherhood takes it to a whole nother level. So can you talk about what perfectionism looks like and how it shows up uniquely for moms? You know, I think if we're thinking about the stereotypical perfectionist, most people are going to say they are not one because they're thinking of an overachiever, someone who is on top of everything at all times, just has all those plates spinning and makes it look effortless and easy. And it's just that person that you think, how did they do that? And who are they even? And does that exist. But honestly, I think that is the rare minority of perfectionists. Most perfectionists are actually the underachieving kind. You know, the people who call themselves lazy or non-starters or non-finishers or procrastinators or everything in between. And those are the ones that are stuck in their growth and in their lives in so many ways because of the very same fear that inspires the overachieving perfectionism. The root is the same to both. And it's fear. It's fear of failure, fear of not being enough, fear of being less than others or not appreciated or loved. There's so many roots to even that root of fear. But that really is the nutshell version, I would say, of what I know perfectionism to be. And I've lived on both sides of that spectrum I just talked about and everywhere in between as well. Mm. And how do you think it, perfectionism shows up uniquely for moms? Or do you think it's different for moms than for for the general population or for women? Mm-hmm. You know, I do think it is more prevalent with moms because there seems to be much more at stake with what we are doing in our day-to-day lives, but we also have more limits on what we can do personally. So I think a lot of women get stuck in these perfectionism cycles of, you know, overachieving or underachieving because they're basing their worth off of how it goes each day with their kids, with their time spent, um, things that often is so out of our control that they just have this constant stick they're beating over their head that, see, you're not good enough. See, you did this bad again, or you yelled at your kid again today, or you could never put the laundry away. You're terrible at balancing work and motherhood. There's this constant stick of you're not good enough. And that's really what I think drives perfectionists of all kinds is that we are hinging our worth off of an outcome. And as you know, that outcome will never come. Like we'll never arrive to a place where we have all of our achievements show that, hey, we're worthy and we're amazing and everything that like we want it to be. But it just depends on how you're looking at it. If it's making you go crazy because you're obsessed about making sure everything is in line all day or if you are too terrified to even start. Right. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. And I love that you point out these two ends of the spectrum, because I think that what we know or what we our perception around perfectionism is, is it's this level of high achievement and this constantly going after things. And many of us can, I'm sure, think of immediate examples of people who are public facing and people in our personal lives who go after big things and they always hit the mark. And we look at them and we're like, I don't even know, like how they do that and what inspires them and how they can do it over and over again. 
And then there's this other side of perfectionism that you talk about that is where we are not taking action. And I know we're going to get into procrastination in a minute here, but I think that it's really important for us to see both sides of this because you might not identify as a perfectionist, but you might identify as someone who has a really hard time taking action, who has a really hard time making decisions, who has a really hard time setting goals and achieving goals, and maybe even feels a lot of resistance. I actually have a client who I'm in an ongoing conversation with, and she talks about like, I don't want to make a 10-year plan or a five-year plan. Like that completely stresses me out. And I think some of that can be around perfectionism that we're not giving ourselves permission to take any steps because we're worried that we're going to take the wrong step or that it's going to turn out quote unquote wrong way. That we won't be successful. And that's one thing to note. You talked about how we like to look at perfectionism differently as a culture. We like to aspire to it. We like to believe that extremes are good and that's worthy of pursuing after ourselves by only doing the extremes. And that's what I think often can drive whatever you are on the spectrum is looking at I only I'm doing a good enough job if I'm doing the extreme actions. And what we forget is that it comes at a cost. So those people who are super high achieving, they're making trade-offs and they have good and huge costs that go with that, that we might not ever see. But at the same time, us getting stuck in these patterns of overthinking, over planning or not action, you know, all of those cycles too have a cost as well. And the cost is just as great as when we are doing the extreme things to get the overnight success that we're aspiring to. The cost is the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you talk about your history with perfectionism, what that's looked like for you, how it's evolved over time and where you're at with it? Sure. You know, I was that stereotypical perfectionist all up, you know, until I was 20 years old throughout my entire life. I I was that straight A student doing all the extracurricular activities, you know, doing all the things in college, doing all the grants applications and all the jobs. And, you know, it all caught up to me with eating disorders with and coupled with that, you know, anxiety, depression, suicide, ideation, you know, pretty extreme low lows that all hit at once when I just couldn't keep up anymore. The cost that I was making in pursuit of perfectionism just became too high and too great. And that was a really low low for me that took a lot of years of recovery and work. But in the process, I didn't realize I was still stuck in perfectionism. And the way that was translating for me for you know about eight to 10 years afterward was this holding pattern that I talked about, was this fear of I didn't make goals. Like speaking of that client you talked about, I didn't make goals for eight to 10 years. I didn't even do a day planner anymore. I was too terrified to put my dreams and ambitions out there when I really am an achievement oriented person. So I lost big pieces of myself in that way too. And another thing as well is this disconnect, both as an overachieving and an underachieving perfectionist, I was so disconnected, disconnected from myself and my intuition and what I really wanted and what I needed instead of what I should want. And I was disconnected with others. You kind of put yourself at this position where your hand is out and you don't want to be known fully. And that is going to affect your relationships. And it certainly has affected a lot of mine. So I've had to work really hard on that. I call myself a recovering perfectionist at this point in my life. I'll be turning 34 pretty soon. And I think I've made a lot of progress in terms of leaning into the mess that really 
is demanded when we want to grow. Leaning into the possibility of failure. I'm also leaning into the more ambitious side of me too. So the opposite of perfectionism isn't accepting life as is and not trying anymore, but it's trying from a different place where my worth is not hinged on my outcomes. And it's taken an incredible amount of courage. And it's also taken an incredible amount of small steps that aren't the grandiose overnight all or nothing actions I was taking in the past. And I've been growing a lot, but I still know that this is something I'm going to need to work on probably the rest of my life. And I actually find comfort in that because I know I can't fix myself overnight and it's not my fault that this is something I continue to notice. Oh, another way that perfectionism is sneaking in. Ah, yet again, we meet and now let's take this on, this new challenge. It's just going to be part of my life. Mm, I love acknowledging that it's going to be a part of your life. And I, so you mentioned many valuable pieces in here. That was a fire hose there. Sorry. I know. No, it was amazing. I was like, hold on. Got to take notes. <laughs> Which do I want to type it? I talk a lot about this. Yes. No, I, I love it because I think that so much of what you just said is relatable. And I think that many of us have come from places where perfectionism has showed up to the extent in your examples of eating disorders, of depression, of massive anxiety, of suicidal ideation, of isolating ourselves from other people. Those are all things that are extremely relatable and also not the pretty picture of perfectionism that we see on social media. And so on social media, we have this like drive for, I want to have the perfect Instagram account because then I can get followers and I can be an influencer and I can have all of these things and it's going to be amazing. And on the back end of that is a whole bunch of women (laughs) who are struggling with all of those things that you just mentioned. And I think that we have to really, really take a critical look at that. And kind of on the flip side of that, or like the follow up point to that would be what you ended your statement with around leaning into the opposite of perfectionism in order to allow yourself to disconnect your worth from your achievements. And so can you talk about what kind of work you've done over time to shift how perfectionism plays a role in your life, even though it's maybe something that's always going to be there to a certain degree, and especially around disconnecting that disconnecting your worth from your achievements. Yeah. So I actually started super small. I didn't know I was doing an experiment, but I was, and it's become kind of like a years long experiment. For me, it it started when I was approaching 30. And that's when I realized, oh my goodness, like I am in this terrible place that I was 10 years ago but for the same reasons, but different manifestations of those reasons. And I was like, I don't want this to be my life. I had that third life crisis, right? When I was like, I need to change. And the way I need to do that is by leaning into the mediocre side of me and being okay with that. And so I had this list of 30 things I wanted to do before I turned 30. And they were full of things that are not those overnight, grandiose, extreme, all or nothing things we like to aspire to. They were like, make 30 new recipes, read this many books, try this many new restaurants, go and learn how to watercolor, uh, do a pastry crawl with friends, go to a museum as an adult, you know, um, stuff like that. And you know what is crazy, though? It really had this trickle down effect in my life where I got more and more confident in who I was and what I liked. I found more zest for life. I found less humiliation in my failures along the way. And, you know, making those 30 recipes truly changed my life, like as dumb as that is. And it's because I gave myself permission to lean into who I was and to 
also lean into the messy progress it's, it takes to grow again and the mediocre side to it, like I said, and being okay with that. And being okay with that, there's something really weird too. It's like the strange magic. I have grown exponentially the last four years that I did, probably the first 30, because I am doing this in a different way. And I have failed a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've embarrassed myself. I've lost money, you know, lots of things like that. But I feel so much different about it than I would have even four years ago. I love this. This reminds me of exposure therapy where like you have to do the thing that you're most afraid of. So it's like, okay, I have to take imperfect action. Yeah. And I'm going to make mistakes and I might make mistakes in front of people. And that's what I have to do in order to overcome perfectionism. Exactly. And you know, it's funny you say that because I really think that is what I've done. And yeah, you do gain in confidence, you gain in skill and being able to do it. And along the way, you figure out who you really are too, which is a big part of that disconnect we lose in perfectionism of who we really are and what we really want out of our lives. And like I told you, the opposite of perfectionism is not, you know, taking life as is. I've actually realized in learning about myself that I love to be ambitious, that I need goals, that I need to put myself out there. I need a lot of action in my life. And I had been missing so much of that because of perfectionism before. So that's been strangely healing to learn that about myself and lean into it a little more. I love that. I relate to so much of it. I remember when when Vinny was really or before Vinny was born, actually, I had a blog and I would spend like hours writing this blog and making sure it was perfect. And then I would send it to my mom and have her proofread it for like typos and grammar. Yeah. And it was just like this vicious cycle of perfectionism. Oh, yes. And it would take me days to get one post done. And I remember when I was deciding between starting a podcast and starting or deciding to, I was going to either start a podcast or go back to blogging. And I was like, I can't go back to blogging. Like I know what that cycle was like for me. Mm -hmm. And while I feel like the end product was good, I don't have the bandwidth for that. And so for me, going into podcasting was actually like permission to take imperfect action. Like you're going to sit down, you're going to hit record. Absolutely. <laughs> and then you're just going to go with it and you're not going to re-record. And two times I think I've done it where I've gone back, mm -hmm. I've recorded an episode and been like, I don't really feel like that was my best. And I've gone back and listened. And both times I've been like, that was totally fine. Absolutely. And I've only gone back to listen because I was like preparing to judge myself to be like, that was really horrible. You need to re-record it. And both times I was like, this was completely fine. Yeah. This is like hearing myself talk because they're, you know, on my list of 30 before 30, I didn't have start a podcast, start a business at home. You know, I did want to figure out more about what I wanted to do because I knew I wanted to have more of a push in my life and more of an outlet besides being, you know, a stay at home mom at the time. And I wanted to add to my family financially too in time, but yeah, podcasting wasn't on my list and there's been no better way though, to be face to face with my recovering perfectionism every single day than doing a podcast. Podcast and it's been the best. Yeah. I also think when you create spaces for yourself to be imperfect out loud, there's so much value to it. And so I love that like, okay, if I know that I struggle with perfectionism, like a core value of my company and everyone I coach is going to be imperfect action. Oh, <laughs> like, yes. Oh, I love that. And be able to talk about that, like, this is what we do. We take imperfect action. So I'm going to send out emails that are going to have typos because I take imperfect action. And I'm going to say the wrong thing sometimes, and it might offend people. And I'm more than willing to own it and apologize when that's appropriate. Like, I'm just going to super publicly own that I'm going to mess up. And then all of a sudden, like, the walls come down where I'm like, 
I can feel so much better about it. And I also create so much space. And I'm curious if this resonates for you. I create so much space for energy for way more important things. And so instead of being bogged down and like, should I re-record the episode? I could be instead like, oh, I'm actually going to be over here contributing in this really sensitive and valuable Facebook conversation instead. And with my clients and like, that's where my energy should be today. Not re-recording an episode for the third time because I don't think I completed a sentence correctly. Exactly. And you know, what's funny too, is um, sometimes you bring up things that you used to love that you stopped because of your perfectionism. I was a dancer until I turned 18. And then I didn't get into any of the like elite, I guess, programs at my university. So I just quit, you know, after 14 years of dancing, I just quit. And this past year, I picked up dancing again, in this small, like modern dance troupe, who they were doing like kind of a nativity dance. And I practiced on my Instagram stories a few times, which is hilarious because honestly, I'm terrible. Like compared to how I used to dance, it's like I can barely touch my toes. Like what does it look like to even bend my knees again? And doing that and just showing up in that imperfectness, like you said, the imperfect action has made me more connected with others in my life. So people don't need to do this on a public stage, but allowing myself to be seen for my mess and how I'm still trying and I'm getting joy out of it. And I was, I think really helped me connect with others so much more than I ever did in the past when I only wanted them to see the pretty, you know, and the perfect. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is supported by Highlands. Many associate ear pain with summer activity, but did you know that winter colds and flu contribute to sinus infections and sinus infections are one of the top 10 causes for ear pain. Did you also know that earaches are one of the primary causes for doctor visits with over 30 million visits per year? Highlands can help after you've been diagnosed with an earache by a physician. Try Highlands homeopathic earache drops or tablets. Highlands has been trusted for generations to provide safe homeopathic medicines for all members of the family. In fact, we've used Highlands over the years with Vinny and had really, really great luck with them and great success. Highlands homeopathic earache drops and tablets provide natural relief to get you back to doing what you love. Visit highlands.com slash ear hyphen pain. That's highlands.com slash ear hyphen pain to find a retailer near you. Again, go to highlands. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D-S dot com slash ear hyphen pain. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated, read and follow label directions. I want to shift into procrastination. And I can't remember if I asked you in our previous conversation on your show, have you read the book Finished by John Acuff? You know, you did bring that up. And I told you that it was literally the last book I put on my notes. Yes, and it was, but it's on my list. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure this is the same context that I brought him up when we spoke before, but he was the first person who helped me see the connection between procrastination and perfectionism. And it was so fascinating to me because I know so many people in my life who are procrastinating, who I label as procrastinators as my little judgy self. Where I'm like, well, they just procrastinate all the time and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, oh, wait, they're the same as me. That's just how perfectionism shows up for them. And I've also started to be able to label it in myself. And so I create a lot of anxiety for myself when things are hanging over me, but yet I let them to continue to hang over me because it's a phase of procrastination. And this, this shows up for me a lot. Like when I have to give a big talk and I get myself real worked up internally about what am I going to talk about and what are my slides going to look like and blah, blah, blah. And I keep putting it off because I think, well, I'm going to wait till I have eight hours to work on that. And like, let's be honest, when in motherhood do you have eight hours to be like, oh, now I have eight free hours to sit down and work on something. Yeah, suddenly. Right. So 
That never happens, but I end up in this process of procrastination and putting it off. And then when I sit down to do it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this was totally perfectionism. Like I've been worried about if I could actually do this to my satisfaction. And as it turns out, I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so sneaky, isn't it? It is. Yes, yes. And so can you talk, is procrastination something that rears its ugly head for you as part of perfectionism? Or is it something you see more in other women? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or both? Yeah, both. Here's what I want to say about perfectionism. It is a total human tendency, meaning every single human on earth deals with this in some way or another. And it's not going to disappear. Like because you procrastinate doesn't mean you're a terrible human. But it is something that you can learn to curb more with time and getting some more tactics and habits in place. So I would say because of, you know, this, as moms, you don't have time often to procrastinate. And especially as working moms too, I work from home, you know, like I told you in those precious hours, like I have to get stuff done and I can't overthink it like I used to be able to do. And I can't make it mean as much about me as I used to, but it still totally shows up. So last fall, I took off an entire month for my podcast from social media and everything, which was a really big deal for me. And I was like, I'm going to work on my small group growth coaching program. And it's going to be really intense. It's going to take a lot of work. And I'm going to take off a whole month to do it. And you know what I ended up doing that month? Oh my gosh. I'm like already knowing how this would turn out for me. So I'm dying to hear. Well, it started with a little spot on my cupboards that just needed to be touched up with paint. <laughs> totally. I started to touch that up and realized the paint wasn't exactly right. So I ended up taking up all the cupboard doors, painting them all in my garage. And then that turned into painting the entire kitchen and living room. And then before I knew it, I was okay. And this is the nutshell version. I was painting. I painted the entire exterior of my house. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> amazing. And this was all in pursuit of avoiding something that I was so dreading because of how much time it was going to take and how much time did I take in that procrastination right. would have for sure been more than enough. So that was one of those times I'm like, okay, Monica, why, what is really going on here? What are you really afraid of? What's at play? So a lot of procrastinators are actually the busy kind too, mm-hmm. where they just get unproductively productive, which I am the most guilty of, but it also shows up with numbing behavior. It shows up with you scrolling on your phone. It shows up with you delaying and over planning, overthinking that comes out in so many ways. And I've seen them all. I deal with all of them too, just like everybody else listening. So what for those of us that struggle with all these varieties, like who knew there were so many varieties? Yes. What can people do to start choosing progress over perfection? And what are some actionable items that people can work with to move away from our perfectionistic slash procrastination tendencies? Mm -hmm. So first, I think knowledge is power. So I'm just going to briefly talk about why it is we procrastinate. And usually we're actually not procrastinating the action. We're procrastinating the feelings that we've attached to the action. So we're avoiding the feelings that we don't want to feel. And instead we're replacing it with other negative feelings, other kinds of stress or busyness or numbing behaviors, which don't create the feelings we want either. So it's just good to know you're actually avoiding feelings, not action. And part of that too, one of the reasons why is we're looking at either all or nothing. We're not giving ourselves more options of what really is practical and available to us to try to get these things done. We're only seeing the all. And the other why here is we fall to this trap thinking that it's energizing somehow to have those really short deadlines with a lot of stress to get things done. So those are the reasons why. And I say knowledge is power because of the practical ways. I 
would approach procrastination. So once you know more about, okay, these are the reasons why, the first step is to stop and evaluate. Like use your frontal cortex, you know, use your the front of your brain and really think about what is truly going on here. What am I avoiding feeling? What meaning have I attached to the outcome? How am I getting stuck in the all or nothing? And how am I falling for the lie that I can only do this with limited time when I limit myself with procrastination? So you evaluate what is really going on here and you also prioritize. So what matters to me? Either way, I'm going to be uncomfortable leaning into that action, that feeling I want to avoid with that action I need to take, or I can be uncomfortable staying where I am and the anxiety and the stress and knowing that I'm avoiding something and then you prioritize, well, if this matters to me, then I'm willing to lean into that discomfort better. And this is not like a, you know, snap your fingers and it's done. This is one of those things where you just kind of keep track and noticing, oh, I often go to busy behavior when I'm avoiding. So when you're doing busy, busy rushing, recognize that as a pattern and stop and evaluate and prioritize. And with time, it will be more natural. It's going to take more effort in the beginning. And then another practical step is to do something. I talked about all or nothing being one of the reasons why we procrastinate. The reverse of that is doing something and believing in science, you know, an action or an object in motion stays in motion. That's the same with doing something. You don't have to do the all. You just need to do something. The hardest part for exercise for me is putting on my workout clothes and my workout shoes. And I can procrastinate, you know, the whole action of exercising. But when I just put on my shoes and my workout clothes, it creates that momentum I'm needing because I'm doing something. I'm not focusing on, you know, the four or six miles I want to run or whatever it might be. I'm just focusing on getting on my shoes. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring DC, Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. So instead of worrying about the all there, do something, just something that's going to get the ball rolling and get the momentum that you need. And you're thinking more about the starting line than you are the finish line. Like, how can I start? Not how do I finish this? And, you know, lastly, this one is also a little abstract, but I think is so powerful when people really lean into it is become the hero of your own story here. A lot of procrastination is leaning into the victim mentality. You know, I did this the other week. I needed to go to a doctor's appointment. I wear hearing aids, not religiously because they really bother me. They're new for me anyway. I was going to a hearing aid appointment and I thought, okay, I need to leave at this time. I think I have 10 minutes to do a quick strength training exercise. So I guess how late I was to the doctor appointment. (laughs) 10 minutes late. 10 minutes, exactly. But on my way there, what was I saying? I wasn't saying, oh, I chose to do strength training, which means I was late. I was like, why are all these lights wrong? Why can't I get my kids in the car? And they change where their doctor's office is. I pulled into the wrong parking lot. 
And no, it was none of that. I put myself into this victim role when really, you know, if I just took ownership of the actions I had taken, the choices I had made, it would have been a little bit different. So become the hero of your own story means that you're stepping into the hero role, not because everything goes great for heroes, but because it doesn't. But they are still persisting and trying again and conquering things and then serving people in better ways because of what they are working on and overcoming. So take on fear as a character in your story or anxiety or stress or overwhelm or overplanning or whatever it is that's showing up for you and become the hero of your own story and decide what would the hero act like in the situation? How would they persist? How would they overcome even this procrastination? What would they do to just get started and to take the courage to do the small things that are going to help them get to where they need to be? I love the idea of being the hero of your story and the permission for that to be in small ways, but start because it's through taking those small steps that you get the feedback around like, oh, that felt good. I did it. I can keep going. I can take a bigger step next time. I can take another step and further in that same direction, even if it's a little bit more uncomfortable mm-hmm. and really owning that as you go. And I've definitely, definitely used that to my advantage over time and in recent years. And it makes such a difference. It's everything. Yeah. And it's a little bit of it is like framing yourself as someone who's aspirational and yeah, like recognizing that other people are watching and maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your partner, maybe it's your parent, maybe it's your girlfriends, maybe it's your coworkers, maybe it is for you and me people who are following us along on a podcast, but really making yourself aspirational and not because you're perfect and not because you're doing taking big leaps on a grand scale. But like, I've been talking a lot about my recent experience in the last year learning how to ski. Mm-hmm. Like for me, being aspirational was like having a really bad run a couple of weeks ago. And I sat down at the top of a mountain on my butt and I rode down an entire mountain on my butt, holding my skis in my arms, like a complete fool. <laughs> oh, I'm like smiling and sad at the same time for you. But this is everything. And you know what, Sarah, are we like the same person? Because <laughs> one of the things I've been working on is swimming because of my air problems all my life. I'm a terrible swimmer because I wasn't allowed to like go into water, you know, and I wasn't allowed to run anymore. A few years ago, I was told I can't run ever again. And I was a runner. So I had to learn how to swim. And I was like in the lap pool with all the old people swimming circles around me, like literally circles around me. And I am standing in the middle. I've totally been there. (laughs) Yeah. Standing in the middle of a quarter lap and choking my guts out. And now three years later, I'm a swimmer though. The only reason I got there is because I told myself I only had to swim 20 minutes a week. And half that time in the beginning, it was choking for 20 minutes a week. Right. And it makes the biggest difference. Like now I can swim for 20 minutes straight. Yeah. 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 Once a week. No more than that. And I will say for skiing, like I would have never done it except for that last year prior to ski season, I told people on the podcast, I was like, I think I'm going to have skiing be a goal in 2019. And then I was like, crap. Now I I do the same thing to myself. I just say it out loud. So then I have to do it. Yep. I get it. And I had so much regret after that. I was like, why did I say it? Why did I tell people this was a really bad move? (laughs) (laughs) And then you have to do it. Yeah, we are the same person. This is hilarious. So no, I think it makes a huge, huge difference to really put yourself in that position. And I think that some people think like, oh, that's like leading with ego. It's not leading with ego. It is being a leader of your life. And I think that that's where we shy away from so many things is that we step back from being the leader of our life because we're consumed by 
perfectionism when we're consumed by these ideas around what are people going to think and what are they going to say? And we let other people's opinions inform how we lead in our lives. And it really, really holds us back. Absolutely. And, and how life changing is it to lean into the other direction there? I mean, I know I've said the opposite of perfectionism is not leaving things as is because that really is perfectionism. Like when you're not taking action, that is. Yeah. That's perfectionism. So I love that you're talking about being the leader of your own life. That is good. Right. Okay. So can we talk a little bit about high achiever kids and perfectionistic kids? I think I might have one that fits into this category. So, and I'm curious how you relate to this as someone who just has had a lot of perfectionistic tendencies over your life. How are you modeling and coaching imperfect action to your kids? And how do you recommend other moms do the same? Goodness. I know this is a tricky one. This is when you get, you know, the immediate, am I doing this right? We question ourselves. But I think overall, I think what I'm trying to teach my kids is by modeling it that I'm messing up all the time, that I apologize to them, that I get down to their level. And we have a lot of phrases in our family, you know, done is better than perfect. You just have to try, you know, everything like that. But I honestly know that modeling matters more than anything else because in my own household, my parents were not demanding perfection from me. They were not, you know, making sure I was doing everything correctly. And I've done the same with my kids. But what was different, though, is that my parents modeled perfectionism. Oh, my gosh, we are twins. Keep going. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and that I picked up on, especially as, you know, I'm one of seven kids. And I really think I was like, that's how I'm going to stand out is by being that perfect kid. And I was a really easy kid to raise, my parents have said, but I've probably given them a lot of headaches as an adult <laughs> as I've come to myself. And I'm like, ooh, I'm not, I am going to rebel against things in my own way now. But, you know, back to what your question was, I really think our modeling is everything, even more than what we say and how we push it. Because, you know, my kids are still pretty little, but I'm seeing lots of some roots to what could be some grandiose perfectionism driven behaviors in time. And I'm just doing my best to model it for them and talk to them about it transparently too. And I don't know, I really think at the end of the day, it's going to be a constant thing we just pay attention to, just like everything else, you know, with their mental health and their physical health and everything is, you know, where are they at and how they view themselves? Because really, I think with kids, it's they're tying their worth to the outcome, too. And that is something they can pick up on really quick at a young age is I'm good when the things I do are good. So that's the cycle I'm trying to break with them. Right. Yeah. I try to be really careful about not over complimenting my child on performance, which is hard because I'm just a naturally very enthusiastic person. <laughs> so I mean, it takes like nothing for me to get really excited about something. And so I have to be super careful about not about complimenting like characteristics versus achievement. Something else that I really focus on is and sometimes it's even me making things up is I really try to model making mistakes. And whenever I make a mistake to make a really big deal about it. And this is a tip I got from a occupational therapist who works with kids in anxiety. And she was like, really try to catch yourself in front of your kid and be like, Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I totally messed that up. I wonder how I can fix it. Like, and it can feel kind of cheesy. But for me, having a child who appears to be a little perfectionistic already, and appeared that way very early on from like the way he put blocks together or built blocks on top of each other at age like two, it's been really important and something I try to catch a lot just to be like, oh, look, I made another mistake. Doggone. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to steal that for sure. Oh, I think it's a big deal. And I try to also 
when my husband makes mistakes and he's not nearly as perfectionistic as I am, but even like just, you know, in together when we make mistakes as a family or when like things go sideways or whatever to be like, oh my gosh, we did not make a good choice here and this didn't work out. And so now we're going to fix it this way. And like just constantly modeling like adaptability and moving forward and moving forward without judgment. And which is hard. Like There's times where I want to be like, no, like this needs to be done a certain way. And I have to catch myself and be like, no, that's not what you should be saying right now. Like instead, you're going to be super flexible. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, the focus is good. And you know, another thing too, I think is, you know, before I was a mom, I thought I'd be that one who was like, my kids are all reading by three. And, you know, they're cooking like filet mignon or something for dinner. Like, I thought I would be a super extreme parent. And I have surprised myself and how relaxed I am and about a lot of things that I didn't think I was, I would be before, but it's more about really knowing what matters more than anything. Like what matters more in our family is kindness because they're really struggling with that. To be quite honest with you, they're really struggling with it, but that matters to me way more, way more than them practicing the piano really well or their homework assignment or, you know, doing the science fair and being the first place, you know, that's it's really what matters most to this family and it's not probably going to be the exterior things right yeah i had to hold myself back my son just had this big collage thing that he had to make for school to celebrate the 100th day of school and it involved a ton of cutting and pasting and so he's in the first grade watching him cut i was like oh i really want to help like there's a lot of jagged edges and then he's gluing things down and there's like pieces of paper kind of like flipping up instead of like gluing flat down and i was like just go with it just let him be but it was great though he was so proud of what he created and i was like this is amazing because i feel like a couple i mean my kid did not colored in a coloring book until after kindergarten because he never he didn't want he was so afraid of not being able to stay in the lines yeah and we showed up for the first day of kindergarten and there was coloring sheets on every desk and the kids were just told to go sit down and start coloring and i was like oh he's not <laughs> this is gonna be real bad yeah it's tough for him and he did it and like that's when he started coloring and he loves coloring now so it's really interesting to see over time how things have shifted so to watch him cut things out and cut them out imperfectly and glue them imperfectly and have it kind of be a little bit of a disaster. I was like, this is really powerful. And I need to just like sit on my hands right now and not try to fix anything. I love that. Good for you, mama. He sounds really, really cute too. Oh, he's pretty cute, I think. (laughs) Okay. So, oh, this has been so good. I want to know, I mean, you've given us lots of examples already, but how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? You know, it's kind of connected to what we said just right now, what we talked about. I'm just doing my best to let my kids develop their personalities and they are so different and each one of them is so different from the other. I'm just, the way I'm trying to show up as a shameless mom is just letting them be the real humans they are, who they were born to be. Because, you know, your your son, he showed himself how he is right away. You had no choice about it, right? And that's what I'm trying to lean into is who are they? How did they show up? And what can I do to help them cultivate their strengths and let go of the rest? And, you know, it's kind of been some strange things. You know, my daughter is just like this. I feel like she was born a feminist. I It's so funny to me, the things that she says that she's like, I will never do this. I will never do that. I'm like, you go girl. And I know. Um, but you know, there's these parts of me. I'm like, well, don't, you know, cause she's very adamant that she never wants children and all that. I'm like, okay, great. You know, and part of me is like, there's this part that's like, but you would be such a good mom if you ever wanted to do that. And you don't have to choose and like all this stuff. But I'm also like holding back and just let her develop who she is and come into her own. And same with my sons too. And that's just the way I'm trying to be shameless, like bold about 
helping them create who they really are from the inside out and giving them permission that they don't have to be a certain way or a certain person for me to really love and value who they are and to be the good person I know they can be. Oh, I love it. So good. Okay. Tell everyone where they can connect with you, where they can find you, where they can stalk you on Instagram and listen to your podcast. Yeah. I'm all things about progress. That's the name of my podcast. That's the name of my Instagram and Facebook. I'm primarily on Instagram, like out of all the social media ones. That's where I am. And I love, love to connect with women. So go ahead and show up there and say hi. I mean, go to my direct messages and say hi to me. Tell me what you're about. I just love to get to know who you are. Awesome. I will have your podcast linked up. I'll have your website aboutprogress.com linked up in the show notes. Thanks, Sarah. And people can find that if they go to shamelessmom.com and click on the episode with Monica Packer. Oh, Monica, this has been so fun. I am so excited that I have a new twin. (laughs) You do have a new twin, vice versa. And now I'm hoping that you might find yourself in Seattle with this upcoming move. Hey, start sending me some Zillow links. I'm like going whiplash over here. I'm looking everywhere. So, oh my gosh, I bet you are. Although I don't know, Seattle probably isn't that much better than where you are in California for the housing market. Maybe that's actually is true. That is true. Yes. Oh, Monica, this has been great. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for helping our listeners. I know many women are going to be touched by everything that you shared today and uh, give themselves a little bit of permission to start taking imperfect action more regularly. Oh, it's been such an honor for me. It's been so fun to get to know you better too and to be part of your community that you are creating. You're doing such a wonderful job. So I appreciate you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. Before we wrap, Mama, don't forget to pop on over to shamelessmomcon.com to check out all the information for the Shameless MomCon Collective and grab your spot today. That's shamelessmomcon.com. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them 
can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 